Hey weirdos, we're back and I got to be honest, this episode kind of sucks. Some people <laughs> might say it really bites. But um <laughs> so get out of the sun and into your coffin because today we're talking about vampires. I don't know about you, but I'm always wearing athleisure. Between working from home and podcasting, I'm always looking for something comfy that I can wear to run errands, take the dogs for a lunch break walk, and get in my evening yoga practice without having to change and without looking like a hobbit. Halara specializes in clothes you can take from workout to everywhere. So take advantage of our buy one, get one free offer right in our show notes. So B, let's get this out of the way first. Do you believe in vampires? Oh gosh. I don't think that I do. However, some of the stuff that I'm going to talk about kind of makes me think that there must be something to it. Yeah. Before we talk about everything we're going to talk about, let's say my prior knowledge, I don't believe in vampires. And I'm always a skeptic. And I usually end the episodes, especially after all the research, like, okay, this could be real. So so we'll see if I change my mind. Okay. At the end. You too. Yeah. Let's, let's circle back and ask that question. Also, I feel like I need to point out the obvious. So we kind of switched roles for this, this episode. And I'm curious to see if anyone even noticed that you did the intro, not me, because I know our voices sound the same. Yeah. (laughs) But Aaron has kind of taken the lead on this episode. So I feel very like unprepared because (laughs) I only had a section and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what's happening. But It'll be good. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. I'm we'll, excited. We'll see. Maybe it won't be, and then I'll never do this again. <laughs> you guys will have to tell us. Yes. Vampires are known as evil beings who scour the world at night searching for blood to feast on. They sink their fangs into their victim and either kill them or turn them into another vampire. Some people say they morph into a bat and that, especially at night, they have super strong strength. Oh, and they also can't see themselves in a mirror. And most vampires look pretty posh, so I am impressed by this. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. How do they make themselves look so nice without being able to look in the mirror? I know. Also, I forgot about the bat thing. I totally forgot about that. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's not mentioned too much when you look into history, maybe a little bit. So Bea is going to start us off with the earliest vampire lore, so I will let her talk about that now. I'm going to talk a little bit about the foundation of the vampire legend, and it goes way back. In fact, most cultures seem to have some type of legend about a creature that like preys off your energy or your life force, whether that be like in the literal sense, such as your blood or just your energy. The first thing that we're going to talk about, I'm sure you've heard about is an incubus. And I'm not talking about like the early 2000s rock band. Oh my gosh. Which is actually my favorite band. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yeah, it's my favorite band. I've been a huge fan since I was in high school. But anyway, Incubus (laughs) is a type of demon that seeks to basically get it on with women while they sleep. So the female counterpart of this demon would be called a succubus. Which, wasn't that in the South Park episode? I think it was. I wasn't allowed to watch that. And then when I was old enough, I didn't have cable. So I've only seen, like, the episodes that have been on, like, when my husband's watched it now. Oh, okay. But, like, I know a few, but I don't remember that one. Yeah, we watch a lot of South Park. And I'm pretty sure there is an episode about a succubus. So you guys will have to tell us in, like, the comments or something if you remember an episode about succubi. So. Is that the plural? I'm just going with it. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) The plural of incubus is incubi, so. Oh, okay. The earliest mention of a creature like this is actually from Mesopotamia around 2400 BC. The father of the hero Gilgamesh was apparently something like this, but in this culture, it was called Alilu. Wouldn't Gilgamesh be a great name for a dog? It would be. Can you oh imagine my gosh. hearing your neighbor outside, Gilgamesh, <laughs> get over here. That's my next dog's name or yours, whichever comes first. The counterpart, the female counterpart of the Lilu was the Lil Two, I guess. Okay. So basically these creatures would show up in your dream. So if you had like a naughty dream, basically it was thanks to the Lilu. And sometimes these 
unions, if you catch my drift, mm -hmm. would result in half-human offspring, which were called a cambion. So where the idea of the incubus gained the most traction, however, was in the legend of Merlin back in medieval times. So the wizard Merlin was actually said to be an offspring of a mortal woman and an incubus. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. So to ward off an attack of incubi, according to the religious text, the Malleus Maleficarum, confession, the sign of the cross, saying a few Hail Marys, or simply moving to a different location was the most common way to get rid of an incubus infestation. But if none of these worked, it was exorcism. Okay. So I guess a lot of times these interactions came along with old hag syndrome, which oh, I'm assuming you haven't heard of it, old hag syndrome. So basically these are experiences where you feel like you're being crushed or suffocated upon waking and not being able to move. So it's really common during sleep paralysis. Have you ever had anything like this before? No, but my husband, um, he lived in this house that was extremely haunted and he would feel like he was being suffocated. Like someone was sitting on him or yeah, by that's him. exactly yeah. what so this i says. mean he would know oh my gosh yeah and it's really common in like houses with poltergeist activity and stuff like that so science will call this a hypnagogic hallucination which i actually get hypnagogic hallucinations i've never had the old hag thing <laughs> before but i have had a couple hypnagogic hallucina hallucinations so the first one I remember I was sleeping and all of a sudden it was just me and my youngest son home. And I remember through the baby monitor, I started hearing this like metallic screaming. Oh. And I remember reaching over and turning off the baby monitor and then looking and he was already in bed with me. Like at some point he must've come in my room and he'd fallen asleep in bed. And then when I woke up the next morning, like the baby monitor was turned off. And what was weird is it didn't feel like I was sleeping. It felt like I was awake. Mm -hmm. And then the other time that it happened was I had gone to sleep before my husband and I remember him like coming into the bedroom and doing like all the stuff you do before you go to sleep. So he was like brushing his teeth. And then I remember he forgot that he needed to let the dog out. So he was calling the dog out to take him outside. And while this is happening, I remember watching him. Like I could, I was awake enough that I could see what he was doing. But then I started hearing this metallic noise and the only way that i know how to describe it is it sounded like in the matrix when he take when morpheus or neo takes the pill okay and it like that liquid kind of comes over him and goes down through his throat mm -hmm. there's a noise when that happens that sounds exactly like what i was hearing oh that's bizarre and i just remember thinking like why isn't my husband reacting you know um apparently these are hypnagogic hallucinations and it's a common thing in sleep paralysis. Sometimes they also call it like exploding head syndrome where people will hear a giant boom or a giant bang, hmm. but it's not, no one else hears it. Oddly enough, this is a huge tangent, but <laughs> oddly enough, we found that we carry a genetic marker that 100% of the people who are narcoleptic have, but only like 25% of the people that have this genetic marker are narcoleptic, if that makes any sense. Okay, yeah. So it just makes you more like prone to mm -hmm. having narcolepsy. So I don't have narcolepsy, but the sleep doctor was saying that it makes you more prone to these sleep disturbances. Yeah. So anyway. He, no one in your family has narcolepsy, right? Not that I know of, no. Okay. I had a friend pass away from that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, That's she terrifying. was... Um, driving and they think she fell asleep. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's terrifying. I noticed I asked you before. Yeah. <laughs> it's scary. That was a very long tangent. <laughs> but the it got dark. I'm sorry. It did. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so the incubi, remember, that's what we were talking about mm -hmm. about 10 mm -hmm. minutes ago. <laughs> this, there's different expressions of pretty much the same idea from all over the world, from European folklore, African folklore, Indian, Amazonian. Turkish. It's like everywhere. So creatures like the vampire also come from all over the place. There's the Rakshasa of, sure. <laughs> of India. They eat flesh rather than blood. There's the Qingsai of China. I'm probably botching all these like strap in folks because it's <laughs> they're all they're all hard to pronounce. 
This creature from China will kill and drain the victims of their blood. So pretty similar. There's the Scottish Bavanshi. And this is an evil fey creature that poses as a beautiful woman who exhausts men with song and dance. I, I give a little side eye to that. I'm wondering if song and dance is kind of a metaphor for something else. Yeah. <laughs> like a succubus. <laughs> and make them so tired that they feed off of their blood. So the West African Assasbonsum. <laughs> These dwell in the forest and they live in the treetops. And apparently they like catch their victims with their legs that dangle out of trees. And then I'm assuming they must like eat them or something. It didn't really explain that part, but it's listed as like a precursor to the vampire legend. <laughs> so they must do something with them. And then the ancient Greek and Roman legend of the Strix, which was a bird that fed on human blood and flesh. And a lot of people think that this Strix is the legend that set the foundation to the closest thing that I've read about that resembles a vampire, and that's the Strigoi. And that is in Romanian folklore. So Strigoi basically means to scream. And these creatures are apparently lethargic and sleepy during the day and become active at night. And then they attack their victims and essentially suck the life out of them. So sometimes this will make the person look sick. Um, they're kind of associated with like outbreaks of plague. Then sometimes it can actually kill people. They are also associated with poltergeist activity. So apparently the Strigoi have superhuman strength and speed, immortality, and shape-shifting abilities. They also can become invisible. And according to legend, someone becomes a Strigoi who was a tortured soul. So maybe they died by suicide or they were cursed by a witch. They may have lived a life of sin, but also sometimes you could become a Strigoi for really stupid reasons. So for example, maybe you had an extra nipple. I know someone with an extra really? I'm going to have to ask her. If she, well, she wouldn't know if she's a Strigoi. She'd oh. have to die first. Oh, but, well. I mean, she might be at risk. Do you do you think you're a Strigoi? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, if somebody died alone, that's another thing that could make them a Strigoi. Maybe they were the seventh son or daughter, or they died without being baptized, or maybe they were born out of wedlock or premature. So, according to this, I could be a Strigoi because I'm not baptized. You're uh, not baptized? No, I'm not baptized. I didn't know this. Yeah, no, I'm not. I mean, your dog is. Yes, my dog is. <laughs> but I'm not. <laughs> and let's end that and have no explanation yeah. of why my dog is That's baptized. it. That's all you get. <laughs> um, but both of my kids also were born outside of marriage. And my youngest was born a week early. So watch out, world. I am just creating a family of future Gustavoy, <laughs> according to this. So anywho, if someone dies, you know, there's certainly a Strigoi if their body was freshly preserved. So I, I don't really know what that means. I'm guessing it means that like they don't start looking like they're decomposing. Mm -hmm. Or the flip side of that, if it turned black or swelled up before burial. So let's just say someone died alone because that could make you Strigoi and you came across their bloated, discolored corpse. Oh, God. It doesn't mean that nature's just done what it does. It means that they're a Strigoi. Okay. They also say that if you find a small hole in the headstone near a burial site, that's also a sign because that's how the Strigoi escapes. Okay. So how do you get rid of a Strigoi, you might ask? Well, the first thing you can do is actually prevent them from getting you. And you can do this by killing a pig on St. Ignatus Day. Okay. Yeah. Or you can place thorns across the threshold of your home. Mm -hmm. Or you can paint a cross on your door. Um, and garlic. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Garlic. Well, then none are getting in my house because there's Same. so much garlic in here. Yeah, you actually have a garlic cheesy blend. <laughs> Do. on your desk right now so because whenever i have a little snacky i like snack. to put that on top of it yeah it's really good they should sponsor us shout out ps great state cheesy blend please sponsor us yeah anyway <laughs> so the other thing you can do to keep the strigoi away is to just like sleep with your lights on oh okay <laughs> that, that seems easier yeah <laughs> to get rid of the strigoi though if one is attacking you you must first figure out who it is Exhume the dead body of the human that's become the Strigoi, remove its heart, cut it in two, 
and then put a nail in the person's forehead, or you could just put their body face down in their coffin. Also be especially cautious on St. Andrew's Day, which is November 30th, because it's like the Olympics for Strigoi. And I guess they compete to see how many people they can disturb on that particular day. I mean, that kind of sounds like a fun competition. I mean, it does. If you're Strigoi, they yes. probably work out for it, practice their technique. Mm -hmm. How did all this turn into the vampire of pop culture? Well, to understand that, we need to look at a historical figure in Romania, and that's Vlad the Impaler. So v Vlad was a real person. He was born in Transylvania in 1431, and he died in 1476 during battle. During the 15th century, Romania was divided into small kingdoms that were centered around fortified churches or castles. And Vlad was actually a member of the Order of the Dragon. And I keep wanting to say the Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> yeah. Yes, another yes. Harry Potter reference. I know. But no, it was the Order of the Dragon, which led crusades against the Turks. So the Ottoman Turks were quickly spreading their borders from east. And along with their rule, they were spreading their Muslim faith. And Romanians were Christian Orthodox. So Vlad was basically known as like defender of the Christian dome to his contemporaries because he was a huge block to the Turkish extension into Europe. So Vlad was a beloved figure to most. They called him Dracula, which actually means son of the dragon, because again, he was in the order of the dragon and so was his father. There are actually no contemporary depictions of Dracula. Everything associated with Dracula or Vlad the Impaler, which is how I'm going to continue to refer to him mm -hmm. so we don't get confused. All of the pictures that you see. So if you Google him, you'll see a picture that was not created when he was alive. That was created after he died. But we do have a contemporary description of him. So according to this guy who described him in history, he was not very tall, but he was stocky with a strong and cold and terrible appearance. <laughs> May no one ever describe me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> any of those. He had very long eyelashes that framed big eyes and he had very bushy eyebrows, which made him frightening. So the last part of that description sounds like it could be me, but I don't think I look frightening. <laughs> you don't have bushy eyebrows. <laughs> I mean, if I let them go okay. do what they want to do, they can be. So now to Vlad's enemies. He was not so beloved. He had a reputation of being a ruthless enemy, and he was known to impale his captives on stakes. So in his... Where did he put the stake in? I was kind of wondering that myself. I mean, I think it probably goes in the obvious entry point. The butthole? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Okay, because it's already a hole there. That's what I'm thinking. It'd probably be easier. Yeah. And I mean, if they're going to shove a stake up something, people are sick. I mean... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so... In his capital of Targovist, the invading Turks were stopped in their tracks by the sight of a, a thousand captives that Vlad, oh my God. Vlad, no, keep it in. <laughs> that Vlad had formed into a forest of the impaled. And people said that he would actually dine amongst the corpses and drink their blood. Oh, gross. In another story, when ambassadors were arriving from Genoa, they refused to remove their hats in his presence, and apparently he ordered the hats to just be nailed to their foreheads. The forehead? Yes. Oh. <laughs> so he was kind of an intense dude, yeah. I guess. All that being said, some of these torture practices were actually pretty common in the time. Mm -hmm. So he might not have really been that much different than some of the other contemporary rulers at the time. This guy, anyway, though, had a complicated reputation. He was loved by some. He was hated by others. But if you take all of this, the Strigoi legend, which was really common in Romania, the legend of Vlad the Impaler, also known as Dracula, many believe that this is where the legend that Bram Stoker's wrote into his famous novel back in 1897. I'm talking about Dracula. Mm -hmm. So the idea is that a man was on a business trip and he stays in a castle in Transylvania, which is where Vlad the Impaler was from, and it was owned by a count. So this count was called Dracula, and the 
idea of the book is that the businessman like discovers that he was a vampire and then the story is basically everything that ensues after that. Now, there is one more historical character that many think may have inspired Bram Stoker. Can I guess? Is yes. It, is it the Count from Sesame Street? No. <laughs> I, like that I, kinda, I know. I was thinking of that, too. One impaled person. Or two. <laughs> and then the thunder. Yeah. So this person was Elizabeth Bathory. So Elizabeth was a Hungarian noblewoman. And between 1590 and 1610, she was accused of killing and torturing hundreds of girls and women that had been sent to her etiquette school. It's alleged that she would kill women and bathe in their blood to retain her youth. So essentially, she was preying off the youth of the women that she killed. She was also imprisoned in a castle for the rest of her life after she was caught. And I guess during her trial, there was more than 300 individuals who provided testimony. And there was actually mutilated girls along with imprisoned dying victims that were found when she was arrested. Oh. So kind of damning evidence, mm -hmm. I would say. So after all these uplifting tales, <laughs> this kind of sets the foundation of how the idea of the vampire entered the zeitgeist. I think it's safe to say we're saying goodbye to summer, which is sad, but the good news is vacation season is right around the corner. I love to buy a new suit for vacation, and Cupshe is my one-stop shop for all things swim. Their suits are flattering on bodies of all shapes and sizes, and they have the cutest styles. I'm always getting compliments on my Cupshe swimsuits. You can stock up on swimwear for your next trip right now by grabbing our up to 50% off sale items link in the show notes. So in the Middle Ages, vampire superstition went wild. You mentioned this, what was going on, the plague. And the plague was caused these lesions on its victims' mouths that would bleed. Okay. And scientists have also found that people around this time period also sometimes had this blood disorder that caused blisters if exposed to sunlight. So some, strangely, some of the effects of this blood disorder called porphyria, if I'm pronouncing that I right? I think that's it. Yeah. It could be helped if the victim drank blood. I've heard of that before. Yeah. yeah. There was someone who was accused of being a vampire. And I remember when they look, do some DNA mm -hmm. and find out that they actually had this. Oh. So it's actually been correlated through like looking, digging up someone from a legend and then running DNA. I can't remember the name of a person, like who it was, mm -hmm. but they're pretty sure that they found like a direct correlation between the two. Hmm. Stories of vampires went wild after this. Other diseases at the time, and when people would die, if they were suspected to be a vampire, the townspeople would stab them in the chest with a stake to make sure that they didn't come back alive. Oh my gosh. Yes. So on the news this past week, so after we already decided we were covering vampires, there was a vampire story. Did you read it? No. I could not believe it. That's crazy. <laughs> I was so excited. Archaeologists were doing this dig in Peen? Peen? Pian? Pian? Um, I feel like it's a little inappropriate the way yeah. I'm pronouncing it, yeah. but I don't know. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> it's a Polish village. <laughs> I'm not going to say it again. And they found a child vampire from the 17th century. Oh, wow. So this village actually had another unearthed vampire, a woman, about a year ago as well. The child was found buried with its feet padlocked and a knife on top of its throat. Not like cutting it, like just on top. So the villagers didn't want these vampires to come back alive and to rise from the dead. So they did this. So if they tried to sit up in the dirt, their throats would get slashed. That's crazy. And the, you had just mentioned this. So the village also buried its victims face down. Okay. But the reason they gave is so they would bite the ground instead of the people above it. Oh, weird. Yeah. That's not the reason that I had heard, but I mean... Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I felt like that was very strange. So I'm not really sure why that was a concern because they're already buried with a knife on top of them. Yeah. But, okay. So the leader of the dig, Darius Polinski, stated... That's a nice 
Polish name. It sure is. He stated that the villagers clearly greatly feared this specific child and also stated that it was a very brutal burial, that its body was actually partly exhumed already, and they suspected that the villagers blamed the child for somebody's death, an accident, or bad living conditions. I mean, we really don't know. Mm -hmm. And then a woman vampire that was found nearby had similar burial precautions but she also had a silk cap on her head which meant that she was of high class and she also had one tooth that was protruding oh so they were afraid of her but they still gave her that silk cap to be like okay (laughs) we're gonna respect you so that was another thing i was gonna say so that polyphera or whatever it was Mm -hmm. apparently one of the markers of that is that sometimes people have abnormal teeth growth that can almost make them look like they have fangs oh yeah i feel like i would like that not me. I feel like I almost have that. Like my dad and I both have very like prominent, oh, yeah. pointy eye, like canine teeth. Do you remember when I dressed up as a vampire? I do. I actually spent like like the rest of my costume was just put together, but I went and got really nice like vampire fangs, and I would wear them around the house oh my because gosh. it just felt really cool. <laughs> I feel like I would like bite myself. Like, by the end of the night, I would have had, like, stab marks. It didn't really... Yeah, I don't remember doing that. Huh. This is a long time ago, though. Let's forward to the next century, the 18th, when Mercy Brown, a famous supposed vampire, lived. (laughs) That's like Murphy Brown. I know! I know! (laughs) I loved that show as a kid. Maybe it was based on her. I don't think so, but... (laughs) So, unlike some folklore, Mercy was a real life actual human being who lived in Rhode Island. Oh, I know. That's not what I was expecting. (laughs) Same. And she was the daughter of a farmer. Mercy is said to be by some to be the best documented case of exhumation of a corpse to stop a vampire. So New England at the time was knee deep in vampire panic. I feel like all the different parts of the world had their time. Yeah. Of being like vampires. Yeah. Also, just a ton of crazy stuff has happened over in New England. So these people are crazy superstitious. Mercy's family suffered from tuberculosis and her mother, Mary Eliza, passed away first. Then her sister, Mary Olive. Then seven years later... Her brother Edwin and Mercy caught tuberculosis and Mercy died. The people around them assumed it was vampirism and that one of the family members that had already passed was in fact a vampire. George, the father, finally gave in and let them dig up the bodies to look at in 1892, which is sad. The two Marys had signs of decomposition. Remember, they passed away in 1884. And when the villagers, including a reporter from the newspaper... And a doctor, it was a whole huge spectacle, dug up Mercy. She not only had no decomposition, but she still had blood in her heart. Oh, weird. I know. Now, Mercy was stored in an above-ground crypt. So this could have been the case for why she showed almost no decomposition. But the town went crazy. They burned her heart and liver and, oh, you're disgusted now? Just wait. They saved her ashes and they mixed them with water and made Edwin, the little brother who was still alive, drink it. Oh my gosh. Why? I know. So shocker, he died a couple months after drinking that. Oh my gosh. Like, what What was his reaction? And, okay, just a thought. So have you ever had a stomach scan done? No, I haven't. So they basically have to see how you digest food. So my esophagus doesn't work right. And while they were diagnosing me, I had to go get this scan so they could see how I was digesting. They give you this drink. That's like powder that's barely mixed with water. And I feel like oh, what, oh. what he was drinking must have tasted like that, but like ashy. Yeah. And it just gaggy. And oh, it that's also, disgusting. It also reminds me of my strange addiction. Oh my god. The woman who was eating the ashes. Oh, she I didn't see that one. Stop, you didn't? No, I just remember seeing the one where she was pulling out her hair and eating it. Oh gosh. Oh god, I can't even think about that again. I know. <laughs> oh, my Strange Addiction is gross, so if you guys haven't watched it, just, yeah. I feel like the couple episodes that I've seen, like, haunt my dreams. Yeah. I can't believe you haven't seen the Ashes episode. No, I have not. So. I did see one one time where this girl was addicted to eating cheesy potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, 
that's an addiction I can get behind. There was one where this person was addicted to Vicks VapeRub. I was watching it with my husband and she would, she even had the stick and she'd like take a hit off of it. And he like <laughs> paused it and looked at me like, that's you. That's you. And I, it is. I was just going to say, that's like my husband. He's obsessed <laughs> with the smell of Vicks VapeRub. Oh, and I am too. I hate it. She went one small step forward and was eating it. So <gasps> oh I, my that's the only difference. So <laughs> her father, George, back, back to after our tangent. Poor little Edwin. <laughs> yes. Um, George actually lived till 1922 and he never got tuberculosis. So good for him. But I mean, what a sad yeah, life. No kidding. Also, like, wouldn't it be more likely that he could have been a vampire? Because are they yeah, like he was the one that never got sick. I still can't get over why they made Edwin drink the ashes. Like, what did he do? I'm reading the story and, like, there's no explanation yeah. for why they did that. Like, you know what? Let's have him drink the ashes. People are and jerks. everyone was like, yeah, <laughs> let's mix it with some water. Just, yeah. Oh, my gosh. gosh. And I also think this is too close to our time period. So he lived till 1922. This is 100 years ago. Oh, my gosh. No. That's crazy. Yeah. So this next name, so you actually discussed it a little bit, but I've got some stories. So oh, yeah. I had this whole tangent about this next Bavanshi, which Bavanshi. You, you have told me how it was supposed to be pronounced, but I was saying the Bavoin Sith. And I was like, oh my gosh, like the Sith from Star Wars. And I did all this research oh my to gosh. see if that's what they were supposed to be. And so the last part of it is S-I-T-H. I mean. Yeah, it's it's not spelled. It's like B-O-A-B-H-A-N-S-I-T-H. Yeah. So it's nothing like Bavanshi, but. Yeah. Sad. Those so, Scottish people. Yes. I'm Scottish, so I can say that. Oh, nice. The oh, now the rest of the and the rest of all my notes I refer to it as the Sith. Oh you know gosh. what? I'm I'm gonna keep it going. Okay, so Bavanshi is Sith. Sith, but I'm gonna say it wrong. I'll try to correct myself. So the Bavanshi is an extremely gorgeous woman that wears either a white or green dress. They called her the white woman of the Scottish Highlands. Ooh. I know. Despite her desirable look, she's very evil. She's blood sucking and found in nature and forest and is said to be the oldest vampire in existence as well. Oh. Like, I don't know if the stories actually go back that far, okay. but they just something that they say, like, she's been here forever. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, she has deer hooves instead of feet that I read. Oh, I feel like that would not make her that attractive. I know. Go on. She hides them. Oh. Yeah. And uh, sometimes she'll take the form of a crow or a raven instead of the usual bat. Okay. So there's a story I read where there were these hunters out at night and they decided to take shelter. They found a hut and they made camp there till morning. The guys started getting rowdy and singing and dancing. And some of the men started whining that they wish they had partners to dance with. And lo and behold, these four women appeared and they come into the hut. Three of them picked a partner and danced while the other sat by the last man who was singing, which okay. well, you're in the middle of the woods and four women yeah. show up. You're like, come on, come on in. <laughs> As the one singer was singing his tune, he started to notice blood falling down from his buddies Ooh. and he took off and he hid with the horses. The horses had iron on them. Oh. And this is a big no, no for the Bavanshi and other fairies. Yeah. I've heard that the Fae, just in general, the Fae won't come near iron. Yeah. Um, so the last, <laughs> how do you say it again? Bavanshi. Because <laughs> I keep reading Sith. Chased him and wasn't able to find him. When the sun came up, they were all gone and his three friends were dead and all of their blood from their bodies were missing. Wow. There are other similar tales to this, usually with men being killed and sometimes women being turned into Sith. Okay. So next we have the Chedipi. Chidipi. Chidipi, maybe. Who knows? I feel like I could easily go and Google how to pronounce this. I know. But I never do. I always think that, too. It's like when we're recording, I'm like, why didn't I look up how to pronounce this? Now, the only reason why I know how to pronounce Bavanshi is because they gave me the pronunciation <laughs> in the sources I was looking at. Sad. Mine wasn't in there. <laughs> so the Chidipi was a witch vampire from India. So the word Chedipi means prostitute. Okay. So all Chedipis are prostitutes, but not all prostitutes are Chedipis. Okay. Apparently. <laughs> so 
But if you are a prostitute, not you, but like anybody, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm not either. So they can become a chedipee and like remake Pretty Woman and have Julie Roberts come <laughs> back to the store that wouldn't help her as a chedipee and suck the blood out of those women. Like a totally new movie oh my idea. Gosh. That's a great movie idea. I feel like it is. Yeah. Too. Like, and I'd want Julie Roberts to do it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So women can also become a Chetapee if they die in childbirth or by suicide. So that's what you were talking about too. mm -hmm. So they're seen around the Godavari River in India and can be riding a tiger in the moonlight. The the Chetapee goes out on her tiger and finds a home. She uses her powers to fling open the doors and proudly marches in fully naked. She then casts another spell and puts every person inside into a deep sleep. She finds all of the men and sucks their blood out through their toes. I've heard that the, in some cultures, it's the toe. That is disgusting. That's, That's the last thing I'd want to yeah, no suck. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> she, gosh. She sometimes targets only certain men as well. So maybe those she had beef with or the strongest man. Shockingly, these men will live. They wake up the next day feeling drunk and must go to the doctor. If they don't, the Chetapee returns night after night to suck his blood until he shrivels up and dies. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And she sometimes spends the night with the victim, if you... Okay, yeah. yeah. See, there is, like, that's why I talked about the incubus. I feel like I might not have made a big enough connection there, but, like, a lot of these... There's, like, a sexual component to a lot of these stories. Oh, yeah. So... So, I feel like these guys... I'm just, this is my idea. Okay. Are coming home hung over after cheating on their wives and were like... Oh, yeah, it was that Chetapee again, honey. I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. Oh, my gosh, I bet you're right. And yeah. then they're, like, they're hungover. They're like, I gotta go to the doctor. Yeah. Oh. So, um, also, she can turn into a tiger with, wait for it, one human leg. <laughs> and then she'll attack men in the woods. Why does she have one human leg? I don't know. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Why does that tiger have a human leg? I feel like I'd be like gimpy and like too. really awkward. Oh, I don't know. What's the point of that? So this next one is probably one of the more famous legends that people know about. The Chupacabra. Ooh. So the Chupacabra, he is Spanish and Portuguese. And he's a creature that will target livestock and farms to drain the blood from. He loves goats, has spikes on his back, and loves long walks across the farm. (laughs) Um, Did you know that Chupacabra literally translates to to goat sucker? (laughs) I did not know that. Goat sucker. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, He is a hefty creature that is reptilian. And people say he's about the size of a small bear, sometimes having long fangs. He can stand on his back legs as well. I didn't know that he was, like, reptilian. I always thought it was more like a dog. Oh, yeah. Like, furry like a dog. People say that it's commonly confused with a dog, too. Like, sometimes they say it was a chupacabra and then it was a dog. Just a dog. Yeah, just (laughs) just a dog. Run-of-the-mill dog. Yep. In 1995, there was a supposed attack where eight sheep were found in Puerto Rico drained of blood with three puncture wounds on each of their chests. A few months later, an eyewitness said that they saw the chupacabra again in Puerto Rico, where 150 farm animals and pets were oh, killed. Wow. No. A veterinarian did research and autopsies on 300 of these creature deaths. And when they examined them, they found that they had not been blood dry. But I mean, I don't know what that means. Like, was there a little blood left? Were they full of blood? Because yeah. dry would be no blood at yeah, all. Like completely so. ensanguinated. So, yeah, that's not very descriptive. I, yeah. So this is a more recent beast, and it actually officially got its name in 1995. Really? I didn't realize that. I felt like this was older. Yeah, me too. Because, I mean, I've heard about Chupacabra. Yeah. Hmm. So there are so many vampires through history. The last historical vampire I'm going to talk about is the Highgate Vampire. This is my favorite story that we're going to talk about. (laughs) In the 19th century, the Highgate Cemetery was established. It was a very popular cemetery, and it was considered a high class. What does place that mean? A very in. popular cemetery? Is it like where all the people hung out? It was or? <laughs> like it was bougie. Like you wanted okay. to be buried here. Okay. So <laughs> only the best. Only the best. But towards the end, it kind of became overgrown and more abandoned. Okay. People who lived nearby said that they just felt odd and unwell walking near it, like something was watching them or in the cemetery. People reported that they could see entities and figures that would vanish eventually inside. 
1965, around 8 o'clock at night, Brian Bourne was walking by with his dog before going out for the evening. He said that as he was passing the cemetery, he felt an unnatural stillness and things got chilly. So if you're a fan of our podcast, you will know that this stillness and chill is yep. not a good sign. Turn around. Yes. Born. But this part was a new one. Brian said that he started to see black liquid draining down off of the cemetery wall. And then out of the liquid, this tall and, as he described it, masculine shape rose up out of nowhere. It was dressed in black and it had glowing red eyes. Oh my gosh. Here we Always go. Always with the glowing red I eyes. I know. So Brian's dog starts growling, and like a smart man, he ran with his dog good, down the street. Good, I yes. feel like far too many times they're like, well, so then I went and checked it out. <laughs> and I said, how do you do, sir? Yeah. <laughs> so Brian was quoted saying, there was no face where eyes would have been if it were human. There were just two red bits, sorry, red bits, <laughs> red pits, that was a... That was a typo. <laughs> red pits. I'm like, red pits. There were two red pits. This wasn't a ghost. This was an entity. It was simply not human. <laughs> um, two years later, another young couple were walking by in the same spot that Brian reported this creature staring at them by the gate. They said it had an unpleasant face, and when they looked back at it, it vanished. The woman chose to stay home the next night, but the man grabbed a friend and he went back to check it out. Ugh. I know. And they chose to go, oh, inside the cemetery oh this gosh. time. So they saw a figure passing in front of them while hearing this strange booming noise. Then they ran away. Good idea. Yeah. Also, the same year, two young girls were walking in the same area as the two previous stories. And they said they could see bodies rising from their graves inside the cemetery. Years later, Sean Machester, not sure how to say it, um, became interested in these happenings and interviewed one of the girls. She said that after seeing this, she started having nightmares where an entity would try to break into her bedroom. She also started sleepwalking during this time and had headaches, vertigo, and nausea. Doctors tried helping her. They tried doing diet changes, all wow. different sorts of things. Nothing would change. Strangely, they said that she had two puncture wounds on her neck. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Manchester. Manchester? I yeah, think it was sure. just a typo before. Probably. Yeah, yeah, because of... It's just Manchester. Yeah, Manchester. <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, it looks like Manchester. Yeah, yeah. So Manchester, deciding this was in fact a vampire, gifted her a silver cross to wear, and they hung a crucifix and garlic in her bedroom. They sprinkled holy water around, they said prayers, and suddenly she recovered. Oh, wow. So this is wild That's crazy. Another woman said she was having nightmares, sleepwalking, and also had two punctures on her neck. And she ended up in contact with Sean as well. Sean and this woman's sister followed her one night while she was sleepwalking. And she went into Highgate Cemetery, walked in, stopped, and tore the cross off that she was wearing around oh, wow. her neck. Then they both heard this booming sound like had been described in the other sighting. And then the woman passed out. She does not remember any of these events. Wow. Did she take Ambien before she went to bed? I know. <laughs> I don't Did think you hear so. about those people that have like driven cars and stuff? Oh on yeah, Ambien? there was one person who she started her bathtub and then left, and she came home to like a flooded apartment, <gasps> oh my God. which is something that happened to me. So, dead animals have been found in the cemetery with their throats torn apart and no blood in their bodies. At its peak. A 100-year-old corpse was found above ground near its grave. Oh, my gosh. Vampire hunters started traveling to the cemetery to try and destroy the vampire. So Sean claimed that he stabbed the vampire with a stake through its heart. And after the vampire sightings seemed to have stopped. So where is this Highgate Cemetery again? It's in Swains Lane, London. Oh, I've never heard of that before. I know. So huh. it's wildly known over there. Wow. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've heard of Highgate Cemetery before, but for some reason, I didn't think it was in London. That's crazy. That's creepy. Yeah. Fast forward to today. So there are a, a lot of people who consider themselves vampires in the thousands around the world, actually. But most of them are secretive. Oddly, many of them reside in New Orleans, 
they have an entire vampire court there. Oh my gosh. So if you go to neworleansvampireassociation.org, you can see they are a nonprofit association. Wow. Good for them. <laughs> they even have a homeless outreach program to help those in need. What I find kind of concerning is that they help them with their meals. I feel like this sounds a little <laughs> sus. <laughs> like, as a vampire, I feel like the homeless are exactly the people you would target, yeah, right? Yeah, no kidding. Um, I also love the picture from their meet and greet brunch. Oh my gosh. Everyone's in black, except for there's one guy wearing white shirt. There's another guy wearing light blue and they just stick out. But <laughs> maybe I am stereotyping vampires. Yeah, stop, Aaron. We can't stereotype vampires. I'm sorry. Uh, they also mention an upcoming event where they have a special guest, Belfazar Ashantison speaking. And it's sponsored by Voodoo Authentica. Remember both of these names. Remember okay. Balthazar. Okay. Honestly, this group looks like it cares a lot about the community and they like to give back. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. I guess. There are different types of vampire styles, I guess, styles. And I really remember watching a 2020 back in the day about this, but it's so old. And at first I thought it's probably hidden along with that one of the fake TV psychic oh, yeah. that I mentioned in the last episode. <laughs> but guess what? I freaking found it. It oh my was gosh. not a fever dream. So um, side story, my parents owned this campground and on weekends I would head back to the house early when they stayed at the office around the campfire and I would binge like a 2020 episode. Yeah. And usually the episodes scared the absolute crap out of me, but I remember a lot of them. They've yeah. like stuck with me. Like no wonder why we all have anxiety. Like we watched 2020 episodes and rescue 911. And like, that's why we're yeah. all nuts. Now. I know <laughs> there were two that scared me. One of them was, Oh, I, I went in for surgery and never woke up. And oh my gosh. Then there was one that like these people found, like they started, like growing different body parts oh my when they were going through puberty. And so <laughs> when I was around that age, I remember being like, Oh no, I don't grow <laughs> an extra nipple because then that means you'd be a sangoy. Yes. It didn't happen. So there you go. Um, so this particular episode aired November 27th of 2009 and it's episode number 151. Unfortunately, I can't find the video portion of the episode online. It's not in the ones that Hulu offers. They don't go back that far. Okay. But I did find a bit about it on the ABC website. So in the episode, they talked about psychic vampires, sanguinarians, or the blood drinkers who feed on the blood of consenting donors. The vampires around the world say that they have an energy leak and that it can make them feel out of it, tired, even get sick. So they need to feed on others' energy. If they feed off of one person, they can cause that one person harm. So those that are more kind feed off of crowds or large events. Oh. Now, this is, I'm talking about the psychic vampires. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Um, this can leave the person being fed off of feeling drained as well, especially if it's a single person. So if you have ever been around somebody at work, in your family or school that you just feel drained around. And I feel like we've all yeah. known someone like yeah, this. Definitely. They just make you feel miserable and you may not like them for some unknown reason. Mm -hmm. That person could be a psychic vampire. Huh? So I wonder if they like knowingly do that or maybe it just happens. Yeah. You they can, I mean? they can like drain you on purpose or if they're just going through something or mm -hmm. emotionally or having a hard time they may be doing it accidentally wow so but they're stealing your life force by yeah. doing that and you may not even know that you're a psychic vampire <laughs> i read an article on how to avoid these people stealing your energy and you can protect yourself against them by visualizing a force field around yourself like a ball of protective light thinking about your dreams and goals that you want to save your energy mm -hmm. for and not devoting energy around them. Stay healthy. Limit your contact with this person if you feel like they're affecting you constantly. You know, during my meditation, like mm -hmm. when I meditate, that's something that I do. Like I, I visualize a ball of like happy energy around me. And that's like something that I had read about that it helps like cleanse your aura. I sound like straight up new age. No, weirdo. I like it. But like, I just feel like it helps because Sometimes when like people around you are going through something and they're maybe in like a bad place, it does, it kind of sucks the energy out of you a little bit. And so I feel like it's a way of like cleansing my own energetic space. So you are unknowingly protecting yourself. With yeah, those psychic I vampires. guess. I always call it my little happy bubble that surrounds me. <laughs> I'm going to try this the next time I'm around a psychic vampire. Yes. <laughs> 
So they... Or you could send out your Patronus. A Patronus, yes! yes! This is like the same idea. They interviewed a man named Belfazar Ashantison. <gasps> I'd recognize that name anywhere. I know. So Belfazar. We know. He's still active in the vampire community since I just saw he's going to be speaking at an event who lives in the French Quarter of New Orleans. So he's like the OG like vampire dude. He is the OG. Wow. I like it. Belfazar, or if you're a close friend, you can just call him Czar, is an elder in the vampire community. He said that he has to get enough basic daily energy to get through even basic tasks in general. So daily he feels pretty drained. He works at a spiritual as a spiritual consultant at Voodoo Authentica, oh the my business gosh. that sponsored the event. Belfazar receives his energy through blood, and he insists that he needs it to survive. He does not drink blood to kill, and he doesn't attack strangers. He considers this behavior awful. He feeds up to three times a week from consenting donors, but he can also feed psychically as well. They even interviewed someone that was a nurse. I mean, is it possible that he's just anemic? Uh, maybe <laughs> like he has an iron <laughs> like poor guy take an iron supplement dude Belfazar, go to the doctor <laughs> but can you get iron through ingesting blood i don't know hmm. i mean it sure does taste like iron like if you ever like bit your cheek or something yeah yeah oh and it smells irony no hmm. oh yeah like when you get a bloody nose that's yeah so oh gosh oh so many, I wonder how many times in this episode we went, oh. I know, we should like, it's a drinking game. Yes. <laughs> Every time we go, oh, take a drink. Yes. So I couldn't get to all the interviews on here. There was the, someone else was a nurse. I couldn't get to that one. The links on 2020's website didn't work because they're from 2009. Oh, yeah. You'd have to go like on the way back machine. I know. <laughs> so I'm pretty determined to actually find this original interview in video form eventually because I remember it so well. You know, I think I remember watching something like this too. I don't know if it was 2020, but I remember watching like some sort of documentary on like vampires, like hmm. people that were real life, like thought they were vampires. Yeah. There's actually like a few episodes or shows or documentaries and there's books on these people huh so i think get on there was a lot of stories um vampires exist all throughout doctors lawyers scientists teachers parents artists some vampires join a coven coven coven, coven. <laughs> court or house but for the main part are mostly individuals they say that people really misunderstand them because of Hollywood <laughs> and they think that they're generally insane. And that's why they use fake names and they stay anonymous because they have such a fear of being labeled as mm -hmm. crazy. Um, one vampire interviewed and those who studied vampire communities agree with this person, say that vampires are often more intelligent, influential, and more creative than the average person. Well, I mean, wouldn't they think that? Well, the vampires themselves were, but I'm saying the people that studied oh, them. Oh, okay. And the people that studied them weren't vampires. Okay. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they were. Maybe they're all in cahoots. Cahoots. <laughs> Most vampires also care a lot about others as well. And those who don't feed ethically are labeled as rogue vampires. And Ooh. they seem to be very ostracized from the group. Um, those who feed off of animal blood are advised against using any type of animal cruelty. Aww. So I don't know how they get it without uh, being cruel. Yeah, I feel like there is no way. Unless you have, what, a consenting dog that's like, yes, <laughs> take it. <laughs> well, so how do they collect the blood? Usually it's done by a medical professional and lots of forms are required for consent and they require proof of being disease free okay however sometimes an incision is made and a vampire will suck it out directly oh this makes me want to gag yeah that's Ugh. that's more rare it seems like it's usually taken out from a doctor which i don't know what doctor would do that I like know. hi dr russell i need <laughs> you to remove some blood from this consenting adult so that i can and what do they do like shoot it into their mouth or Oh. Like, how do they drink it? I mean, I imagine it's in, like, a bag. <laughs> like a blood bag. Oh, gosh. You could just stick a straw in it like a Capri oh Sun. <laughs> it's their 
blood Capri, Capri Sun. Oh. You know what? I bet if you froze it and made it into like a slush, it wouldn't be as bad. Oh, instead of like froze, it's like like blood, a blood slushy. Blood Zay. <laughs> blood Zay. How could you imagine if you never knew I was a vampire, went in my freezer and was like, oh, oh is this a slushy? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> It's Stanley's blood. Oh my god! We just we just went to the hospital, and I said <laughs> just picked up open. a fresh batch. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's disgusting. I feel gaggy. I know. Me too. This is gross. Look, I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> this is a gross episode. It is. There was even grosser stuff that I cut out. Oh, I'm gosh. glad I did. <laughs> um, modern day vampires experience their change or realize their change very gradually. They aren't turned by another vampire bite or anything. It usually starts to be realized around their puberty or it can follow trauma. That makes sense. Yeah. They say, <laughs> they say those that drink blood experience an intense thirst, like an addictive craving for blood, and they will suffer withdrawal symptoms if they don't get it. They also eat normal food, and when they have their blood... They do prefer the fresh blood. Oh, so I'm done. I'm done with all <laughs> the growth. So B, what do you think? Vampires, real or fake? Some real, some fake? I think some real, some fake. I So something that I kind of thought of when I was doing at least my research for this is that there's so many stories from across the world. Mm -hmm. And to me, that always... There's something to that when there's like so many people that have folklore around the same thing. Right. So that kind of makes me wonder a little bit. As far as the modern vampires, I think that these are just people who have some sort of weird fetish. That's that's what I think is going on there. Yeah. But, you know, there are also a lot of cultures that... Oh, if anyone hears that, that's my dog. We're just she, gonna... is, she is taking things serious yes. now. It was her baptism day today. Yes. <laughs> the day of my baptism. So I do think that there's maybe something to some of the stories. But, you know, there are a lot of cultures that would take part in, like, eating parts of people, like cannibalism and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was because of the idea that some of like your life force you would get from these people. And I know that there were cultures that actually they had to stop doing it. They had to teach people to stop doing it because of prion disease, like prion wasting disease, where basically you're like, it's like a version of mad cow disease, basically. Uh -huh. So I don't know. I just think that maybe there's something to some of the stories. Yeah, that's actually what I had what you said everything I was going to say. Oh. Like, I feel like when there's all those stories of the same yeah. things that there's got to be something to it. But the Highgate vampire got me. Yeah, that was creepy. And I knew it would when I started this one. I was like, oh, I don't I don't think I, I believe in vampires. I'm like something's going to get me. Mm -hmm. And that was it. So I don't know if I think they're actually vampires yeah. or if it's like a Mothman situation. Oh, maybe. But with some puncture wounds? Maybe. I also think that there are entities that definitely prey off our energy. Yeah. You know, like you give it energy and it's sort of like our, our episode where we were talking about channeling spirits. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that those entities were gaining something from the energy that the people were putting into it. Yeah. Um, especially like that story about the man who was channeling a woman that he fell in love with. He kept giving, he was told that he was supposed to sit there and think about her during, mm -hmm. you know, sp specific times during the day. I mean, you're basically giving energy to something. So I think that there's something to that too. I mean, maybe they're just some type of entity. I, I put more stock in the old stories. Yeah. Not the new ones. I know. Me too. Yeah. And then the the real life, the modern vampires. I don't think you'd call them a vampire. No. I think maybe iron deficient. Maybe they have some supernatural thing with them. I believe more in the psychic thing. The yes. psychic vampire I mean, thing. Yeah. yeah. But not the blood thing. I yeah. mean, come on. You're not going to go into withdrawal if you stop drinking blood. Yeah. But ultimately, if they're not hurting anyone and it's all consenting adults... Yeah then go for it. Yep. Whatever floats your boat. 
If any of you have any thoughts about vampires or stories, please let us know. And if any of you know where I can find that old 2020 episode, help me out because I want to watch it. Yeah, I'd I love to watch it too. You'd watch it, yeah. For sure. Follow us on at Mysteriously Eclectic Podcast on Instagram and Mysteriously Eclectic Pod on TikTok. We love hearing from you. We also have some great content on our bonus episodes. So that is also an option. If you want some fun extras from us, you can subscribe to that as well. I also just want to remind everybody to click on our affiliate links. That really helps the podcast as well. So follow us, tell your friends about us, Mm -hmm. give us a five-star rating. All of that stuff helps out your favorite podcast. Yes, we appreciate you. So thank you. And we will see you next week. Thank you. Mm -hmm.